You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland, brought to you by our friends at Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's heating and cooling experts. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. The aftermath as we swim into two weeks of being off, where the Browns will take on the San Francisco 49ers a week from Sunday. So uh, some time off uh, from football for fans to kind of decom- decompress after the loss. Uh, to the Baltimore Ravens. Daryl, uh, as you had, had uh, a little bit of time here since our post-game podcast, uh, new thoughts going through your head. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just uh, unfortunate, the Deshaun Watson situation and how Kevin Stefanski handled it from a game, game planning standpoint. Certainly understand Deshaun was hurt, couldn't go, but shame on Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns for not being prepared for that eventuality. You know, uh, I my thoughts as far as the, the correlation to the Baker Mayfield situation remain unchanged because they've been through this before. They've been through a player telling him that they are, he- that, you know, he's healthy enough to play and, and whatnot. And um, it basically torpedoed a season, right? So they should have known better organizationally. They should have said, Deshaun, we know you're hurt. Take the week off. We're, we're making sure that DTR is 100% prepped. We're putting in a specific game plan for him, and that was that. And again, I understand the flip side of the coin. If, if, if there's a chance that you can put Deshaun Watson on the field, you have to do it. And I understand and respect that, but I, I just I feel like organizationally, the Cleveland Browns once again dropped the ball on this. So um, the good news is they have a bye week for Deshaun to get healthy and rest up along with Miles Garrett. We'll see what Ethan Post will get into the couple other injuries in a minute. But yeah, I, I just, I, I feel like they did drop the ball here. Um, and uh, they really did put um, uh, DTR in a untenable situation to where he just had minimal chance for success. All right. So let's walk through exactly what happened. Cause I think Kevin Stefanski explained that and, you walked through it because I th- you asked the question at the press conference today, and I, I thought that you had the timeline uh, pretty down pat, especially with saying, hey, look, you guys basically said he was going to play on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so what happened was, to take it back to practice last week, right? <clears throat> Wednesday, we go out there. He's not throwing a football. We had just got done speaking with him. We had just got done speaking with Kevin Stefanski. There was no mention of this, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So then Thursday comes, and we have an opportunity to uh, address it uh, with uh, Alex Van Pelt because Kevin doesn't talk on Thursdays. That's the coordinator's day. 
Correct. Uh, and obviously Alex Van Pelt gives us nothing because that's not his role as the offensive coordinator. He doesn't want to speak for the head coach. And I certainly respect that. Right. <clears throat> but the impression is that, okay, he's going to play because he goes out on the field and we see him throw a little bit. Okay. Nothing spectacular, nothing uh, of any strenuous activity or whatnot. Right. Very short passes in that. Okay. He's throwing a football that that's good to see Friday comes. He's not throwing at all again. I think he threw twice, uh, and it was a running back drill. Uh, then he okay. talks with Joe Sheehan, and they're walking the the length of the field together. He's not taking mental reps. Like on Thursday, he stood behind DTR, uh, sometimes with the ball in his hand, sometimes not, and he was doing, if you're watching on YouTube, he's doing the dropping back, simulating the dropping back, and left, right, center, you know, progressions and all that. That's a mental rep, right? Right. And he's so that he's going through the mental reps. Well, on Friday, Andy, he wasn't taking mental reps, at least during the portion of practice we're able to see. Now, I want to stress the fans, we see very little. We, uh, we've talked about it before, but just to reiterate, we get to see them stretch. It's basically enough time for us to take attendance and make sure that everyone is there that they say is there, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, we get to see them stretch. Then they all break off into their individual groups. And uh, they go through the individual positional drills. So quarterbacks uh, will start off by themselves. Then the running backs will come over. Then the tight ends and the receivers will come over for some, you know, on-air type of routes and, and things like that. Uh, so we don't get to see a whole lot. Um, every once in a while during Friday's practice, they put something in while we're there uh, on air per se. And what I mean by on air, that means there's no defense on the field. It's just the offense, the receiver, the running back, or the tight end is running the route without a defender there, right? And actually, this uh, I'll give you a little inside football. I got yelled at last Friday at practice, not not in a you know not in a mean spirited way. It's, it's figure of speech. So what happened was is um, I was isoing on DTR with my uh, with my phone. And, my right. phone and I'm there and I'm, I'm videoing DTR as he's throwing. And uh, here the coaches yell over, hey, stop, no filming, no filming. We're going through routes here. So, okay, no problem. So uh, I moved the phone over to, to shoot some Deshaun, who's behind everything. So then, um, you know, I've got the phone in my hand and Kevin's, uh, Stefanski's doing some coaching. And, um, and I had it in my right hand, so it looked like I was shooting it. I wasn't, but I had the phone right. up. It was in my right hand, so it looked like I was, which I wasn't doing. So then uh, a member of the staff comes over, hey, uh, just want to make sure you're not shooting. No, no, we're good. I'm not shooting anything. I heard the coach. Uh, we're, we're, we're fine. And then one of the position coaches, I won't say who it is, but a position coach then came over. Hey, Daryl, I just want to make sure you didn't get this, this, you know, these three routes. I said, no. Right. I said, I was ISOing DTR because your starting quarterback isn't practicing today. I was not right. filming receivers. And typically they don't mind if we film the receivers as long as they're tight, you know, right. we're showing the route tree that they're running and things. Long as, so like, for instance, if I'm, I, I'm shooting Elijah Moore, right. He's running around what mm -hmm. they, how they like it. <clears throat> and again, inside football for folks when we're watching on TV, that's why you see those tight shots of players at practice when they're running routes and stuff like that. And it's real tight on them. It's so that we're not unintentionally giving away what that route tree looks like on the field. Okay. And putting that out there for public consumption, because it, it is true. Other teams, other teams, media scour the internet to see what opposing media is putting out there from practice, from a film standpoint. And sometimes sure. stuff gets leaked out there. That's not supposed to be. So, uh, so I, 
quote unquote, got yelled at on Friday for, you know, to make sure that I would not be putting something out. And uh, and obviously I uh, would never do that. Um, and I would, you know, and I, I'm respectful of their, their practice rules and guidelines in that regard. But just to give people a little inside you know, what it's like to be at practice uh, covering things. But we do have to be mindful of that. And, I, and I'm always mindful of that. Um, there have been times where they've done like, I don't think I should be filming this because it looks like it potentially could give something away. So anyway, so Friday throws two passes, not taking any mental reps, talking to Joe Sheehan. I'm thinking this dude ain't playing. Um, And then Saturday, and, and Kevin, after practice, after pra- oh, he don't get to play. We're good, blah, 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 right? So then Saturday comes, and I see a couple of the NFL insiders uh, quoting Kevin Stefanski. Hey, just got off the phone with Kevin Stefanski, who just told me they're confident Deshaun Watson's playing tomorrow. They're going to run him through a pregame regiment just to make sure that he's okay and all systems are go. But, you know, he has expressed that he's okay and, and ready to play. So Sunday comes, Sunday morning comes, and obviously, uh, you know, I get, I get I get to the stadium around 10 a.m. anyway, just uh, you know as part of my game day schedule. I do my 9 a.m. hit right. game show uh, on West Sixth. Uh, I, I do that from home. As soon as that's done, I literally throw the headphones off, jump in the car, drive down to the stadium. I'm in the, I'm in the press box by 10 a.m. So I'm sitting in my seat. I'm waiting to see Deshaun come on the field. Pop down to the radio network booth to uh, to do our radio network hit that we do uh, uh, before games in that. And there's Deshaun. So I, I'm, as I'm talking on the radio network, I'm again, phone is out and I'm filming Deshaun Watson's warm-up. And right. he's, he's spending more time talking to Joe Sheehan than he is actually throwing the football. And he threw passes of uh, like a couple of five-yard passes, a couple of seven-yard passes, a couple of uh, 10-yard, uh, 10, 12-yard passes, right? Then there's another confab and they walk over where Andrew Barry, Alex Van Pelt, Kevin Stefanski, a couple other coaches, they're huddled there. And they have a two-minute conversation. They shake hands. They dap up. And I'm like, well, crap. I don't know what to make of this. Right. I mean, obviously, one or two options, right? They're they're dapping up because he's ready to go and he's going to play and they're happy and great. Or they're saying, go, you know, get him in two weeks. Well, it turns out they said get him in two weeks. They got it leaked out to all the NFL insiders that Deshaun- who leaks that out because that was out before the injury report. Yeah, that that I don't know, but um, the, it was. It was communicated quickly to the NFL insiders uh, and not the people sitting in the press box. That's all. I'll right. Say. Right. Okay. So, um, uh, and we were asking, we were asking, trust me. Um, so uh, that, that gets, uh, that gets out there that he's not going to play. And, um, and so we're a little surprised by that because again, all signs. And I even said on our pregame show, Andy, I said, my big concern wasn't whether or not he, Deshaun was going to play. It was how effective he was going to be. Right. Turns out he didn't play at all. I was a little surprised. Then the second thing that surprised me is that it looked like the Deshaun Watson game plan out there, that it looked like the Deshaun Watson script that DTR was running. And guess what, Andy? It, it was. It was. And I, and again, I don't know how that happens. You know, it, it, here's my thing. And I, I said this with the afternoon guys, Monday afternoon. Um, but if you're going to, take a victory lap and pat yourselves on the back because sat, uh, a Saturday morning, you and Alex Van Pelt drew up a play that led to a touchdown in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then why did you not have a second 15 ready to go for DTR? See what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I mean, and we had this conversation in the post game 
uh, yesterday and I asked you what you would have done differently. Now that we've had 24 hours to think about it, let's answer that question when we come back. It's always game day in Cleveland. Back after. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mobile sports betting is finally legal in Ohio, and BetQL is here to help you make the most informed bets possible. See all of today's best bets by heading to BetQL.com or by downloading the BetQL app. Claim your free three-day trial today. Head to BetQL.com slash news slash 92.3 The Fan for those exclusive sportsbook offers. It's always game day in Cleveland. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at GameDayCLE. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin, still sifting through the aftermath of the 28-3 loss to the uh, Baltimore Ravens in the fourth game of the season that leaves the Browns at two and two. Daryl, so when we last left uh, last segment, we talked about, okay, because I, like I had looked at you at one point, I'm like, well, you know, they had this game plan in place. They think they have a backup quarterback who's the perfect complement to their starting quarterback. And maybe you can understand why they ran the place they did. The more I started thinking about it, and I don't know if you did too, but why wouldn't you start leaving, you know, maybe two running backs in the backfield? Why wouldn't you try to throw a bubble screen or just a straight screen or try to, you know, he's a pretty mobile quarterback. How about a little run option? Do some of that stuff. And that, I think, is the thing that irritated most Browns fans, especially after I talked to a ton of them today, is like, why didn't they run super safe plays that might have got the running game established a little bit more? My argument back to them is the Ravens are a top, you know, top eight team against the run in the NFL. And I just don't know if that's a, a wise choice. The other problem was he was just ineffective throwing the ball. And I think people got mad about the gadget play, especially on third and one, when, you know, all you needed was a yard to go forward. And, you know, they went with the same situation that they had been doing before, where um, you take the tight end, you run him uh, from the slot into the middle, you come under center. And then you snap it and go forward. But in the scenario yesterday, and we talked about it, you know, it the play to me looked like it was the right play because the Ravens had a spy and they knew right. that he was going to do that. So he plugged the hole right away. So now instead of having to go up against two guys, he had to go against three guys. So it's hike and then it's pitch the ball back to DTR. And I didn't have a problem with that. The question is, is what should have happened next? And, you know, they tried to throw it to Amari Cooper. It was woefully underthrown, but the beauty was is that he was double teamed and the defenders didn't realize how underthrown it was and they ended up with pass interference. So the play actually worked, but it wasn't executed anywhere near the way it should have been. Right. So, and and, and in the interest of fairness, uh, so this is our official game book. Right. Okay. And this is how the the, the first drive scripts were go. So I, I do want to be fair because it was very critical of the game plan. So here's how the play-by-play was described. Okay, remember, first play of the game was a 26-yard run by Jerome Ford that got called back because Amari Cooper was uh, flagged for holding, all right? So uh, that play worked. It's just, but did it work because of the hold? That's the question. Right. So first pass was short left to DPJ uh, for seven yards. Uh, Then Jerome Ford off left guard, lost two yards. 
DTR, short middle pass to David Njoku, goes for 15, converts uh, the third and five for a first down. DTR, pass short right to Harrison Bryant for two yards. DTR, short middle, incomplete to Donovan Peoples-Jones. DTR, incomplete, short right to Elijah Moore. So uh, to be fair, because I was very critical of the game plan, to be fair, these were uh, termed short passes. uh, High confidence plays. High confidence plays to get him uh, into a little bit of rhythm. But again, this is also the same game plan. This is what they do with Deshaun, right? Right. Second drive, Jerome Ford, right tackle, seven yards. Uh, DTR, incomplete, deep middle to Amari Cooper. That was the ball that almost got intercepted. Yeah, that was ugly. It was terribly thrown, right? DTR, deep left for Amari Cooper, picked off. So on the second drive, Okay, fine. We did some short stuff on the first drive. Now we're going to take some shots on the second drive. Turns out to be a disaster. Then comes drive number three, which turned into the clown car show. Two yakety sacks. Kareem Hunt goes left guard six yards. Kareem Hunt left guard four yards. Kareem Hunt right tackle two more yards. Are you sensing a pattern? Boom. Yes. Three plays, 12 yards. So now let's start throwing the football. DTR, short right to Elijah Moore for seven. Um, this is the direct snap to Harrison Bryant. D, uh, DTR then throws a deep to Amari Cooper on the pitch. Uh, they get the the pass interference that basically gifts them 37 yards for doing something incredibly stupid. Um, Elijah Moore loses 20 yards. Yeah, that was a bad play. And then DTR up the middle for four. Uh, <laughs> he gets flagged for an illegal forward pass. DTR then uh, with a five-yard completion, Jerome Ford to the 35. Enter uh, your hero and now my hero and favorite player on the team, Dustin Hopkins, to boot the 53-yard field goal and go uh, three for three beyond 50 yards. So um, though, though that right, that is the script. That is what is referred to as the script or basically the first 15. Those first three drives right there. And I, I lost count. I don't know if there was 15 plays they read. I know that wasn't the most entertaining to listen to, but I wanted to be accurate in what the play-by-play was in those situations. So first drive started off, high confidence passes, boom, boom, boom. Didn't really do much of anything. Second drive, got cute, went deep a couple of times, got picked off. Third drive, clown car show, and you had to ultimately settle for a 53-yard field goal when you should have been able to drive down the field and possibly get a touchdown. But again, the head coach got cute and stupid, and so that's what you ended up with. And by the way, that was it for the offense the rest of the afternoon because they did basically nothing uh, the rest of the way. Uh, couldn't get a running game going. Uh, and, and again, you know, DTR not in a good position to be successful. Um, I don't know why they didn't just run some real easy uh, – there were at least four plays when I went back and watched it, Andy, where he like was running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Because like, uh, he's he, a rookie playing in his first game, and yeah, he's trying like, to do too much. That was I thought that was the problem. Yeah, like he didn't know what to do. He looked like at times he did not know what to do, and I want to be crystal clear here. I'm not criticizing DTR. He was put in a position that he wasn't ready for, and that's on the organization. The organization should have recognized, but see, the organization did what I do, what you do, what fans do. They got excited about preseason football, which doesn't mean diddly squat. No, I mean you want to you walk in the stadium and before the first drive, and when the offense took the field, it was D T R 
DT. I mean, the fan, the the bowl was electric. It was absolutely electric. And I, you know, the people that I had walked around, I was like, uh, we got his guys making his first start. I'm a little worried about that. And they're like, oh man, he looks so good in the preseason. He's just going to be like Deshaun Watson light. Like someone actually said that to me, and I was like, uh, okay, I hope you're right. Yeah. I hope you're right. They so. made, they made the fatal mistake that I make that you make and fans make, and that was getting. And again, I'm not taking anything away from how DTR performed in the preseason. I praised him left and right and said that yep. he earned the second quarterback job. It was hard to argue with what you saw. I, I mean, there were national folks going, "Man, if they try to sneak him through on the practice squad, it ain't going to happen. He's going right. to get picked up somewhere." Right. And and so um, they trade Josh Dobbs, and. As I said on the postgame uh, pod, like the two players they missed desperately were Josh Jobs and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb ain't walking through the door until next, uh, the middle of next season. And Josh Jobs was traded. Now, I don't know if Josh Dobbs would have done much better yesterday or on Sunday, I should say, as we record. Or Jacoby Brissett. That was another one people kept but Why did they let him go? You know? Jacoby Brissett probably would have because seasoned veteran has started before. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think we've been in better shape. But the game plan wouldn't have worked as well because he's not a mobile quarterback, but I know he would have handled it better. And I think, but John- man, the offensive line would have been partying after the game because they know he gets rid of the ball really quick. Right. And, right. And it was a, let's be honest about it, it was a tough day for the offensive line yesterday. They, they had, they struggled in the run game, they struggled in, in pass protection because, again, they were dealing with a young, inexperienced quarterback. But, the reason I'm not criticizing DTR is because I thought he was set up to fail. I didn't feel like they put him in a, if now, if I felt like they had put him in a position to be successful. Right. Uh, and like we knew on Wednesday he was starting and that, you know, I knew he took the first team reps uh, during practice last week, the vast majority of them. Uh, Kevin Stefanski did mention that there were a few sprinkles in there with Deshaun, Sean, uh, but you know, uh, I, Okay, maybe I'd be a little tougher on DTR for that performance, but I I just don't think that Kevin Stefanski position. I kind of feel like here's what Kevin Stefanski is, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like he is a a stubborn coach sometimes, in that this is Cleveland Browns football, this is how we play, and this is our offense, this is our system, right? And again, he was the king of pivoting during COVID. Anything got thrown his way, he found a way around it. And I I just I don't, in spite of what he said. I don't think he pivoted. I don't think he pivoted enough to put DTR in better positions. Okay. That's and- all he talks about is trying to put his players in better right. positions. So just hold that thought for a second. because we're going to come back in a minute. And I also have to have to ask you a question. Could this become a locker room divided because of what happened? I'm going to ask you that question when we come back. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. It's always game day in Cleveland, brought to you by our good friends at Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's heating and cooling experts. Daryl, so I want you to finish the point you had in the last segment, and and then I want to get on to locker room divided, because that could be an issue based on what happened. Now, if they come back and beat San Francisco, all bets are off. Forget about anything that might anybody might not say about that. But we'll get uh, into it. that's going to be a tough. That's going to be a tough ask for them. Oh, I, I mean, you watch forty nineers. I think after yesterday, the Ravens ended up seventh in uh, seventh best defense, and I think the Niners are fourth. Yeah. So it only gets harder and it's, uh, against the run. It's yeah. only going to get harder to run the ball, and I wonder 
I don't know. I also wonder if you maybe go out and get a running back here during the bye week. I mean, the trade deadline's at the end of the month. I don't think they're going to do it, but. Jonathan Taylor's back with the Indianapolis Colts. I know, I know. And I, I, I and I totally admit, like I'm, I'm total prisoner of the moment at this point. Of but course, of course. You're, you're, you're all in, man. Like you, you're, you're spending three hundred and ten million dollars on this football team this year, right? Um, right. Ownership, oh, and again, this isn't a ownership's all in. Ownership is given uh, Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski all the resources possible, right? They spend. Right. A, they they spent a couple of million dollars to move the entire operation down to West Virginia for almost uh, for over a week to help Kevin Stefanski get his team's attention and whatnot. Right? They go to right. Philadelphia for another week. I mean, ownership has been great. Like it's it's impossible to criticize the Haslam's because I'm seeing and hearing fans criticize the Haslam's here, and as somebody who has been critical of them during their ownership tenure, it, I'm sorry, I'm going to defend them and JW and Whitney uh, and that I I'm going to defend them. There's it's out of their hands. They have given the resources to the football portion of the organization. And it, it's up to the football portion of the organization to come through for them um, and, and, and give them a return on their investment. And that's why, if they do make a change at the end of the season, Andy, I will not be on this podcast and I will not be on the radio station making fun of the Haslam's or criticizing the Haslam's for any alterations to the organization they make. Because for the last few years, this thing has been building in a positive way. They have been investing and basically giving out blank checks to do whatever it takes to, to win, to give Browns fans a quality product on the field. And if people aren't getting it done, I, I, you're not going to get an argument from me. And this game against the Baltimore Ravens, that's that's an X on Kevin Stefanski's resume. The game in Pittsburgh is another X on Kevin Stefanski's resume. And I realize he's the winningest coach in the expansion era. Think about that. I know. But that's, but that's also how bad the expansion era has been. And I have to, I do have to criticize Andrew Barry as much as I respect him, and as and I will full disclosure. Man to man, I like I, I like Andrew Barry a lot. And I admit maybe I'm a little biased because of that, because I like him and respect him, but I have to criticize him for the number two quarterback thing. Because and I you know, people come after me, go, Oh, Daryl, here you go, bringing up the Browns history again and, and throwing it in their face. Well, I'm sorry. The the franchise's history is what it is especially in the post 1999 expansion era, it has sucked and outside of two to three seasons. And the history that I'm bringing up is in this case, very, very relevant. And that's the quarterback history. They have only had three seasons that they've been able to get a starting quarterback through the entire regular season. Okay. The one year the quarterback got hurt a playoff year and they had to start, you know, the Tim couch broke his leg right. or Kelly Holcomb in the playoffs. Right. Right. Uh, so Tim Couch in 2001 started all 16. Baker Mayfield started all 16 in 19 and 2020. That is it. So Andrew Barry, and, and I understand he can't live in his fears as the EVP and GM, right? Right. I, I right. do get it. But you also have to understand you have a mobile quarterback who on an every down basis puts himself at risk for injury because of his mobility because of his willingness to take to block, on yeah. to block to take on hits 
And again, I'm not criticizing Deshaun Watson. That's how he plays the game. He's a very tough player. But also at the same time, he now is susceptible to injury. So what happened? He got hurt. And you didn't have somebody that was ready and qualified to step on that field Sunday. Now, the organization, from their standpoint, we thought D- we feel DTR is qualified. Well, I'm here to tell you, I have watched enough bad. I have a PhD in bleepy quarterback play. Okay. I have a PhD. I know what it looks like. I know what it smells like. I know what it feels like. That's what we had. Okay. On Sunday, we had bleepy quarterback play. It was, it, it was expansion era quarterback play. Expansion teams had better quarterback play than the Cleveland Browns had on Sunday against Baltimore, regardless of how good that Raven defense is, right? So yeah. I have to criticize Andrew there because they don't have a better backup quarterback. And with Deshaun, you should have one. And I realize keeping Jacoby Brissett this year, that just wasn't tenable. He got a starting job. I get that. But you could have done better than DTR. He's a rookie. He is a developmental player. I think DTR someday can be a starter in the National Football League. That's how highly I think of him, okay? Right. But we saw Sunday, he's light years away from being ready for that stage. All right, Darren, let me backtrack here because I, I brought this up in the last segment. A locker room divided. So I think when Kevin Stefanski says on Monday, look, Deshaun Watson was medically cleared to play. It makes you take a deep breath. Because then it makes everyone wonder, well, if the doctors thought he could play, why didn't he play? And then Kevin went on to say he knows his body better than anybody else. So we trusted him on this one, and we said, okay, if you want to sit it out, sit it out. It is very hard, though, I think, if you're sitting in that locker room with guys who are out there with bumps and bruises and pain and doing whatever they can to do pain management to make sure that they're okay. In fact, one guy, your leading receiver, um, had a brush with, what could have been a horrific accident on Friday in David Ninjoku and Ninjoku uh, to me is a warrior for going out there and being able to do what he needed to do to help his teammates try to win a game. And if anyone would have said, Hey, look, you know, your face got burned. You got some issues with your hands on this. The helmet doesn't fit right. You got all kinds of issues. I don't think one person would have blanked if you would have said, you know what? I'm going to sit this one out, but David Ninjoku didn't sit it out. And he toughed it out, and he played through it. And I'll never forget the fact that he did this in this game, despite the fact that they lost 28-3. to I wonder, as you look at that story from the outside, I, I don't know what it's like on the inside of that locker room, but you know football as well as I know football, and you know guys in the locker room. And when they hear you're medically cleared to play, guys look at guys differently if they just choose not to play. Your thoughts. And could that divide a locker room? First, first on Njoku, he felt that it was his responsibility to play, regardless of his injuries. Um, and, I, and I'm not going to speak for him, but that's the impression that I received from. Okay. Uh, it was my assessment fair. I mean, you talked to him, I didn't. Uh, well, Is I didn't, that a fair I, assessment for me to not forget that this guy had a pretty bad accident and still played? And yeah. to me, Here's, I, I find honor in that. So. Here, okay, so here's a hundred percent, and and I again, I have tremendous respect for David uh, doing that. Um, the only thing that I will defend Deshaun on 
is because I saw him throw footballs and it was and it wasn't good. Now sure. he the he might have been medically cleared in the sense of there's no damage in the shoulder. And if you play, you're not going to do any further harm to the shoulder. Okay. But that doesn't mean he can function. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes sense. So, but my point isn't even if he could function or not. Right. You can't tell me there aren't guys in that locker room that aren't looking at him going, really? Well, I, 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 I don't know that Kevin should have shared that part, but Kevin doesn't share things without vetting them through his, you know, mental process. You know what I'm saying? Like he does not Absolutely. share. Anything. He thinks about things before he says them. A hundred percent. So based on what I saw physically, from Deshaun Sunday morning, no way he could play that game. He might have been able to handle it off. He might have been able to maybe do a couple of options, read option, pitch type thing, you know, high school ball, street yard ball type thing. But if you were looking for him to throw a ball 10 yards, I don't think it was happening. So from that standpoint, 100%, I can defend him not playing. But what I cannot defend is the processes the organization went through to determine that he was going to play because they just assumed, well, he's telling us he's fine, so he's going to play. I just need to rest my arm during practice. What I'm, I'm, I, I'm assuming that's what he was saying. I just got to rest the arm. Sure. This week. Right. I'm good for Sunday, right? And that led Stefanski to tell all the NFL insiders, uh, or not all of them, a couple of them, I should say, um, that, yeah, he's going to play. He told us he's going to play. We're going to put him through a pregame workout just to make sure everything's copacetic and he's going to play. He didn't play. And um, shame, shame on Deshaun Watson for not effectively communicating uh, and shame on Kevin Stefanski for not having plan B ready to go. Um, now, the defense of Kevin is that, well, to, and and you articulated it pretty well on the postgame podcast as well as this podcast, and that is, well, what much different could Kevin have done to make DTR more comfortable, uh, a scared rookie. Not, not let me rephrase. Not I, I don't mean to say scared rookie. A first, nervous, just a rookie in his first start. That's all. A nervous rookie going against yeah. that. There, there's no. There may be no help for that. And so from Kevin's to from to be objective about it and to be fair from Kevin's perspective, that that's probably what he was feeling. And when I asked him the question again on Monday about it, he kind of gave me that the same answer he gave me yesterday about it. And that was, right. hey, our job as coaches to put our players in the best position, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, to, and again, just because I feel that you didn't put them in the best position, that, that doesn't make it gospel. I'm not always right. But that's my perception based on what I've watched and based on my experience of watching 32 and a half other crappy quarterbacks play for this franchise since 1999. Because guess what? DTR looked like the 33rd and a half crappy quarterback to play for this franchise. And hopefully it was a learning experience for him. And hopefully he continues to grow as a young player. Because again, I, I feel he's a talented guy. I see the talent there. I just feel like he got put in a bad position. And that's why I am very careful about ripping him for that subpar performance. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin for our producer, Meredith Kane. Outstanding job. It's always game day in Cleveland. We'll be back with another episode this week. And then, of course, we'll have two more episodes next week as we lead into the San Francisco game. So plenty of time between now and then to heal your wounds from a really bad loss against the Ravens. It's always game day in Cleveland. 